0: We're wrapping up, but just a short series on how God grows me. How God grows me. We've talked about the fact that God grows me through his word. Last week, we looked at the fact that God grows me through people. Uh, And this morning, we want to look at the fact that God grows me through problems. God grows me through problems. And I want to begin by just uh, uh, introducing you to uh, a... Scenario that a, a psychologist Jonathan Haight uh, uses, and uh, just it, it has some interest. Let me just read his hypothetical exercise to you and invite you to maybe mentally engage. Imagine that you 're handed a script of your newborn's child child 's entire life it 's all written out what 's going to happen in their entire life. Better yet you 're given an eraser. And five minutes to edit out whatever you want. You get to edit. You read that she'll have a learning disability in grade school. Reading, which comes easily for some kids, will be laborious for her. In high school, she'll make a great circle of friends, then one of them will die of cancer. After high school, she'll get into her preferred college, but while there, she'll lose a leg in a car accident following that she'll slip into a very difficult time of depression a few years later she'll get a great job but then she'll end up losing it in an economic downturn she'll get married but then she's going to also go through the experience and the grief of separation with that script of your child's life, and five minutes to edit it, what would you erase? Professor Haight poses the question this way. Wouldn't you want to take out all the stuff that would cause them pain? If you could erase every failure, disappointment, and period of suffering, would that be a good idea? Would that cause them to grow into the best version of, of themselves is it possible that we actually need adversity and setbacks maybe even crisis and trauma to reach the fullest potential of growth and development it is an interesting question for us to wrestle with but as followers of jesus christ we also understand that there is a God who is actively involved, superintending, and overseeing all of the problems of our life. And what I, what I want you to, to, to hear this morning is, I know every one of us is going to have problems, right? Right? In fact, as some of you, are, you're, you're smack dab in the middle of it. I mean, it's not just one. One of my personal philosophies is problems travel in packs. You know, they rarely come one at a time. They always bring friends with them when they come. And, and, and so some of you, you, you know, they're stacking up on you right now. And if you're not in the middle of one of those seasons, Jamie said, you know, you're probably headed to one at some point in the future. And really the only question is, not if I'm going to have a problem, but how am I going to respond to it? How am I going to frame it? How am I going to think about it? And, and I, want, I want to just suggest to you this morning that as followers of Christ, uh, we, we can ha- carry with us a confidence even in the midst of problems. And that confidence is that God has a purpose. And that God's purpose is always greater than your problems. God's purpose is always greater than your problems. First Peter was written to some some followers of Christ who were undergoing some severe trials and persecutions. Uh, And and in writing to encourage them, Peter had some some very interesting words. Let me just pick up a, a few of them. Verse 12 in chapter 4. Beloved, do not be surprised. At the fiery trial, when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. It is to be expected. It is to be anticipated. It is a part of life in a sin-scarred world. But rejoice! Insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. He's saying in the midst of some really severe heat, honestly, some problems that maybe make a lot of the problems we get frustrated with just seem so small and insignificant. He says, you can choose to rejoice. Skip down to verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer—now, please catch this next phrase— Those who suffer according to God's will. That'll mess with your theology, won't it? Suffer according to God's will. Entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Could it be that God wants to use problems in my life and yours? That in the middle of the mess, God has a purpose that is always, always greater than your problem. But here's what I know. You can miss God's purpose in your problem if you think about it in the wrong way and you ask the wrong questions if you never get beyond the questions of why me this isn't fair what's wrong why do i have to go with it? if you never get beyond some of those initial and we all have those questions you're going to have a high probability of missing god's purpose in your problems and so what i I want to just spend a few moments with this morning is just is just thinking about what what god may be doing uh, in our problems and i'm not Having any luck in moving that, guys? Uh, God's purpose. How do I? How do I understand what God's doing? And what questions do I need to be asking to align myself with God's purpose that's greater than my problems? And the first thing that I want you to see is that God uses problems to direct me. God uses problems to direct me. Let me give you just an Old Testament and a New Testament example of that. Classic Old Testament example would be the life of Joseph. Joseph had this God-given dream of what was going to take place through his life. And how does God get him ready for that? He sends him problems. His brothers resent him. They they sell him into slavery. They tell their dad that he's dead. He's serving as a slave in Potiphar's house. He's doing well. He's kind of making the best of a bad situation. And then Potiphar's wife falsely accuses him of improprieties, and and he ends up in jail. And that's the verses I want you to see. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph. And showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. What in the world is going on? Well, there's a lot of things that God's doing in Joseph's life. But please understand, God was with Joseph. And he was directing him. He was directing him to this particular prison where the king's prisoners were confined. And in that prison, he would build a relationship in the deep darkness of that prison that God would later use to springboard him from the prison to the palace to a position where he would actually be used by God to literally save hundreds of thousands perhaps millions of lives but God used a problem to direct him to the right place so that he could get him ready for the next place God directs us new testament example The early church is 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 moving and power and the gospel is going forth. They've been commissioned to, to take it to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. But what has happened at the early stages is they've just kind of been hanging in Jerusalem. They haven't gone forth any further until there's a problem. Persecution breaks out with the stoning of Stephen, and this persecution breaks out, and God uses this problem to direct them. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. What is God doing? He's using this problem, and he's directing them. Get out of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. But it took the heat of that problem— to direct them to move forth in a new direction so as I begin to experience problems and I begin to understand God has a purpose that's greater than my problem God how are you directing me God are you directing me through this problem and so I need to get into the habit of asking where is this problem leading me where is this problem leading me now please hear me that doesn't always mean geographic okay it may mean that God's going to use that problem to lead you into a new way of thinking. He's going to lead you to a new level of, of sensitivity, even of ministry. God's going to use this problem to lead you to a a new approach, so something you would have never thought of or never dared to try before, but now He's helping you to see things differently and He's directing you to approach things differently. Perhaps God's going to use a problem to direct you to new people, new relationships that He's going to use powerfully in your life. God may use a problem to open your mind and your life to new resources, resources within yourself or resources around you that you never knew existed before god may use a problem to place you in the middle of a brand new opportunity that maybe you would have never seen or you may have never had the courage to seize before but god uses the problem to direct you and as you're going through the middle of a problem you begin to say god not just why me why me why me god where is this problem leading me Where is this problem leading me? God uses problems to direct me, but God also uses problems to inspect me. God's going to use problems in my life and yours to inspect us Again, let's let's look at Old and New Testament. In Deuteronomy, they've been wandering 40 years in the wilderness because they they, they weren't ready to go into uh, the promised land. And God communicates uh, part of the purpose of that problem. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you By the way, did you hear Jamie talk about one of the things that God taught her in that experience was humility? God uses that. And then this phrase, testing you. Testing you to know what was in your heart. Whether you would keep his commandments or not. can Can I just give you a word? God didn't need to give the test so that he would know information he didn't know. He was giving the test so that they would know. They would know where they were. They would know what was within them. The the test, the problem would test them. It would be an inspection of them so they would understand where their life was, where their heart was. The New Testament, James talks about it this way. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, and we have various kinds of trials going on in lives right here in this room right now for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing That there is this testing that goes on in the midst of the trials. And you can count it joy because you know God has a purpose that's greater than your problems. The message from the Lord through the prophet Isaiah was this. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. That God will sometimes uh, allow us to walk through a a series and a season of problems. God will heat up the furnace of affliction and it will will inspect us. It will refine some things out of us along the way. And so how do I appropriately respond to God's inspecting work? I need to ask the question, what does this problem reveal about me? What does this problem reveal about me? many of you have heard me say uh, before because it's just one of my favorite word pictures when it comes to this issue is uh, you, you might just even call it the the, the the parable of the of the toothpaste tube but uh, you know have you ever seen like a a little kid get a hold of like a full tube of toothpaste and squeeze it real good right, <laughs> right? stuff comes out what in the world's going on well When a toothpaste tube gets squeezed, what's on the inside shows up on the outside. Whether it's green or blue or white, you know, it shows up, right? Problems have a way of squeezing us, don't they? And when I get squeezed, what's on the inside shows up on the outside. Problems inspect us. Problems reveal things about us. And it may be that as I get squeezed, what starts to show up is pride. What starts to show up are areas of unbelief. Maybe what shows up is is selfishness. I get squeezed by the problem. And if I'm going to allow God to use this problem to grow me, I have to ask God, what does this problem reveal about me? What does this problem reveal about me? God's going to use a problem to direct me god's going to use a problem to inspect me but i also want you to know that god uses problems to correct me that god will use a problem to bring correction into my life to bring truth to bear in my life and and invite me to align my life with it so that the psalmist was right it is good it is good for me that i was afflicted now most of us don't say that right? it was good. Why? Because that I might learn your statutes, that there was something that happened in that furnace of affliction that made me much more teachable, that almost forced me to learn some things that I would not have learned any other way. Hebrews talks about discipline And compares it to earthly parents and earthly father. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we've had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. That God uses discipline and he uses problems in that discipline to bring correction, to bring holiness to our lives. Now think about these, these last two points. And what we understand from our own experience is that for many, many, many of us, too often, we're not willing to face the truth about ourselves ourselves. Until we're forced to, right? Uh, so we will we will live in denial. We will do all sorts of things sometimes until we have to, or until we're forced to. In fact, is one of our one of our favorite things to do is to blame, right? Rather than than kind of learn about myself or correct some things in myself, I'm gonna I'm gonna blame. I'm gonna blame someone out there. I, I read about this bumper sticker. Uh, you may appreciate this. It said, "It's not whether you win or lose." but where you place the blame, right? (laughs) And we're all capable of that, right? We're all capable of that. I'm not getting my way. This isn't happening. I've got this problem. I'm going to find somebody or something to blame. Legendary basketball coach John Wooden said, you are not a failure until you start to blame. Because when you start to blame, you cease to be teachable. You cease to be able to grow and develop. You cease to learn what God wants you to learn. God may be using a problem to force you to face something. And he's going to just invite you to decide, do you really want to spend your energies fixing the blame? Or are you willing to face the truth? And sometimes God uses a problem to force us to. So the healthier response is to ask the question, what is this problem teaching me? What is this problem teaching me? What is this problem teaching me about God? What is this problem teaching me about God? What is this problem doing? Maybe it's moving something I know intellectually about God into into my life, into my heart, into my uh, functioning reality every single day. And many of you in this room, you know, you know because you have walked through problems. You have walked through a furnace of affliction. And you know, you know that there are things that you know about God now and you know in a radically different way than you knew before you walked through that problem even if you knew it intellectually it could spout it out in a bible study you know it at an entirely different level because you have walked in the furnace of affliction god what are you teaching me about you god what are you teaching me about myself what are you teaching me about myself are there some things that you're, you're showing up that need to be removed? Are there some, is there some, some areas that need to be changed? Or, or are there some habitual patterns that I just haven't recognized? Or are there some, some vulnerabilities that I was just blind to before this? God, what are you teaching me about myself? God, what are some strengths that you're just kind of revealing in me? God, yeah, what are you teaching me about myself? And then, God, what are you teaching me about reality? What are you teaching me about not the way I wish the world was, not the way that I wish the world operated, but the way that it really is? God, what are you teaching me about the way that this world really is and how to navigate it in a way that honors and glorifies you, that is in alignment with your absolute best for my life? God, what are you teaching me about you? What are you teaching me about myself? What are you teaching me about reality? When I begin to ask those sort of questions... I begin to see God grow me through problems which leads to the fourth thing that God does in the midst of our problems God will direct God will inspect God will correct but God uses problems to perfect God will use problems to perfect me to to build into some me some some positive character qualities it's not just about removing maybe some negative things but 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 he wants to infuse my life and infuse my character with some uh, other things well let me just uh, uh, show you how Paul wrote to the Romans about it. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Could it be, could it be that God is using this problem in your life to shape in you an endurance and a character and a hope that you would not have had any other way God begins to use problems to perfect me but again I have to ask the right questions to experience the growth benefit and this question is simply this God how can I grow How can I grow from this problem? God, is, a, is, a, is there, is there a, a, a growth in endurance? God, is there, is there some character growth that you want to, to form in me through this problem? God, is there a, is there a growth in, in thinking or growth in skill development or growth in relating to people or growth in, in just being more sensitive to somebody else? Or God, what is it that you are growing in me? What is it that you want to grow in me from this problem? Now, I want you to think about all these things. We've been putting them together. The God who directs and inspects and uh, corrects and perfects. And, and I, that I begin to ask the, those questions about, uh, you know, God, what are you, what, are you, and can I, what are you up to in this? God, what are you teaching me? What are you revealing about me? God, what it is that you want to grow in me? God, where do you want to lead me through this? And as you think about all this, I, I want to give you this next statement. And I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to invite you just to sit with it for a moment. Because I, I really am convinced as I've put this message together and just been praying through it, that this next statement may be exactly why some of you are here this morning. And I, I know that's like a big word, but I, I, I just really am convinced it's true. And here's the statement. The circumstances that you are asking God to change may be the very circumstances that God is using to change you. Would you just sit with that for a minute? The circumstances you are asking God to change. You have been praying and you've been pleading and some of us have gone to bargaining you know God if you'll change this I'll do this and we've done all these things God you got to change this you got to change this you got to change this and what God wants you to know is that very circumstance that you have been pleading over and over and over again with him for, for him to change is the exact circumstance That God wants to use to change you. But if you never get beyond asking God, fix this quick, and start asking a different set of questions, you're never going to experience fully what God wants to do through your problem. Building on that is this statement The real problem is not your problem. The real problem is your response to the problem. (laughs) <laughs> Jeff, you don't understand. You don't understand. My problem is my problem is this person. My problem is this situation. My problem, my life would be so much better if I wasn't in this financial situation. My problem, my life would be so much better if I didn't have this relational challenge going on. My life would be so much better if I had a different job or a different boss or lived in a different neighborhood. My life would be so much better if this person were treating me nicer. They They just recognize my. T- and my ability. My life would be so much better if I had that opportunity that that person had or whatever. No, 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 no. The real problem is not your problem, the real problem is your response to the problem. When you begin to think about your problem differently, God has a purpose that's bigger than my problem. You begin to ask different questions. You begin to experience life and the problem differently. Some of you may be familiar with uh, the research and the writings of uh, Carol Dweck. Uh, Carol has written the book uh, Mindset. Uh, interesting, interesting study. But she did a series of studies uh, on how people handle adversity, particularly when they face limitations, obstacles, failure, and change. And she writes about one study she did. She took a group of 10-year-olds and gave them increasingly difficult math problems to see how are they going to handle this, how are they going to handle failure. Most students got discouraged and depressed, but a few had a totally different response. I'm going to read to you some of her words. One kid in the face of failure rubbed his hands together, smacked his lips, and said, I love a challenge Another kid failing one math problem after another said, you know, I was hoping this would be informative. And she writes, I'm watching this and I'm saying, what is wrong with them? I always thought you coped with failure or you didn't cope with failure. I never thought of anyone loving failure. Were these alien children or were they onto to something? She realized that not only were these kids not discouraged by their failure, but they didn't think they were failing they thought they were learning she came to the conclusion that human beings have different almost opposite mindsets about life one of them she labels the the fixed mindset the fixed mindset uh, believe that life is full of fixed amount of gifts and talents and their worth depends on how talented they are and therefore if you have this mindset your job is to convince others that you got it Whatever it is that you got it because it's fixed and you, that you want to be thought well of. The opposite mindset is the growth mindset. These people believe that growth is always possible and that a commitment to growth means that they embrace challenge. Therefore, failure is indispensable and something to learn from. It's not just 10-year-olds 10 10 in a classroom, though. It's every one of us. When we have failure, when we have problems, when we have obstacles, we either try to fix the blame or give up or fake it and make everybody think we got it. Or we say, God, this is an opportunity to grow. God, how are you going to grow me through this problem? God, where are you leading me? What are you revealing about me? What, 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 what is it that you, you, you want to correct and teach me in this problem? See, regardless of what you're going through right now, regardless of what you're going to go through next week, next month, next year, here are some things that you can absolutely know. And the first is that God sees the problem. God sees the problem. Yes, pour your heart out to him in prayer, but it's not like you're giving him information he does not already have. He knows. He knows the problem better than you know the problem. God sees the problem, and you also can stand firm on the fact that God cares about your problem. And I know we all go through those seasons, and we all go through those moments, and remember what Jamie said about emotions one of the things that she's just became aware of as she's been walking through this is that your emotions can't be trusted they can play havoc with you at times and one of the things that the emotions can whisper is either God doesn't know or God doesn't care and what we need to come back to the truth of God's word is he knows he sees the problem he cares about your problem but God has the power to change your problem and at this moment some of you are thinking well why doesn't he <laughs> i mean if he's got the power to he sees it he cares he, he has the power to change my problem i mean i i just kind of think if you can like uh, uh, let's say let there be light and like poof there's a universe whatever you're dealing with is not too hard for him right he has the power to change your problem why doesn't he because God wants to change you through your problem. that God wants to change you through your problem. You see, the challenge comes that when we're faced with a problem, sometimes we have a totally different agenda from God. We're into comfort. God's into character. And what you're going to discover is that God is more interested in my character than my comfort. I think it is particularly a challenge for those of us in the the culture that we live in. Just because we have been used to so much and a lot of times so easily accessible. I mean, we get like ticked off if our like air condition is not like cooling it down fast enough or something, right? We'll get grumpy. But when you begin to see it from a heavenly perspective, you begin to understand God is much, 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 much more interested in shaping my comfort than in satisfying my need, or sa- shaping my character, excuse me, than satisfying my need for comfort. So, writer that Spent some time in Britain and wanted to get well beyond kind of the, the touristy things, and so found herself out uh, among the British shepherds. And as she kind of lived with them for a while and, and watched, uh, just learned some interesting, interesting things. And one of the things she observed is that the British shepherds were often would take their sheep and rams one by one and throw them into this dipping trough. It was just this huge vat filled with antiseptic liquid. And they would have to, the shepherd would have to get that that ram, that sheep in there, and completely submerge them. I mean, body, uh, ears, nose, everything had to go under. And as you can imagine, the the, the sheep weren't real excited about this. I mean, this this was terribly disorienting and terribly frightening to them. So much so that oftentimes when they were first thrown in, their first instinct was to try to jump out. And they had trained the sheep dogs so that if any ram, any sheep tried to get out of that trough, they started barking and nipping at them to keep them in that trough until they could be fully submerged. But as terrifying an experience as it had to be for the sheep, without that periodic treatment, they would become victims of parasites and diseases. It was for their good. As this writer of... Observed this, they thought about we're called sheep who have a good shepherd. Here are her words i've had some experience in my li- experiences in my life, which have made me feel very sympathetic to those poor rams. I couldn 't figure out any reason for the treatment I was getting from the shepherd I trusted, and he didn't give me a hint of explanation. As I watched the struggling sheep, I thought, if only there were some way to explain. But such knowledge, Psalm 139 6, is too wonderful for them. It is high, and they cannot attain it. We too have a good shepherd who is committed to his sheep. And because of that commitment, he often does things that frighten us and that we cannot at the moment fully understand. Our God is a good shepherd who has a purpose that is greater than your problem. And you can move be, to get the full benefit of that problem if you learn to ask the right questions. And so I, I just want to invite you for a moment to think about maybe the problems that are piled up in your life right now. Or maybe it's just one huge one. Or maybe some problems you've walked through in the past. Or maybe just begin to ask questions to prepare you for what's coming. But you will get the full growth benefit of problems when you begin to ask different questions. In the middle of this problem, Lord, are you using this problem to direct me? Where is this problem leading me? Lord, are you using this problem to inspect me? What does this problem reveal about me? Lord, are you using this problem to correct me? What is this problem teaching me? Lord, are you using this problem to perfect me? How can I grow from this problem? I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads with me if you would. As we take just a couple of moments to sit before the Lord... Maybe for some of you right now in the middle of a problem, you just need to sit and just ask those questions in the presence of the Lord. And as maybe you begin to sense a word, a a, a phrase, a statement, a sentence, maybe you just need to write that down right now. Father, I'm just going to ask right now, would you just so graciously speak to us? Thank you and praise you that you are our good shepherd. Father, thank you that, that you have a purpose that is greater than our problems. Father, I just, I, I praise you and thank you right now that, that, that you are more interested in our character than in our comfort. And Father, I just pray right now, would you just show us, show us what you're purposing to do in the middle of our problems that is far, far, far greater than our problems as you just continue to sit before the lord and maybe just